Welcome to the Rise of the Ageless Starman. If you are an investor, a scientist, or an entrepreneur, please join us as we discuss about today's innovation and tomorrow's creation. Together we are here to find out how to make humans creative and vital at any age. Welcome to the Rise of the Ageless Starman, uh, the most innovative podcast for aging science. And today I have the privilege to host Dr. Deborah Teuber from uh, Ben Gurion University. Uh, her lab is focusing on the SIRT6 enzyme and its uh, role in maintaining narrow maintaining and uh, preventing neurodegenerative diseases and the ability to repair DNA damage. So Deborah, thank you for uh, joining me today. Thank you, Gil. Uh, I'll prefer if you call me Debbie. <laughs> it will be. Okay. Yes, thank you. And uh, I'm happy to be here and answer all of your questions about CIR6 and DNA repair and neurodegeneration. Yeah. So Debbie, um, before we start, uh, how, how did you get into this uh, kind of science? What drove you into it? So I was doing my PhD in Hermona Sorek lab in Jerusalem, and we were working on neurodegeneration and it was a very interesting field. I always was attracted to the brain and what is memory and what happens when we start losing our memories. And then for my postdoc, I switched to a completely different uh, field that was epigenetics. I was really drawn to epigenetics. That is uh, in very layman terms, how the same genetic code that is in all of our cells can drive differences in different tissue like what makes a neuron a neuron and a skin cell a skin cell with the same genome. So this is through the epigenetic regulation. But the nice thing about the epigenetic regulation is that it's flexible, not the cell identity, but how it uh, responds to the environment. So I went to Harvard to Raul Mostoslavsky's lab to learn about epigenetics. And one of the enzymes that is uh, important for epigenetics is CIR6 that was also shown to be very important for aging. If you completely delete this enzyme, the mice present a premature aging phenotype. They die looking really old by three weeks. It is really, really early. And uh, Chaim Cohen show in Israel that if you overexpress this protein, if you add a copy, mice can live longer. So it regulates the epigenetic code. And then during my postdoc, we discovered that it also is important for DNA repair. And when I came back and opened my own lab, I decided to put these things together, neurodegeneration, aging, and the focus on DNA repair and the epigenetic code. So that's how I got here. Okay, um, okay. one second. We say, um, like you focus in the CIRT6 enzyme, and uh, what is the big potential it contains in medicine? So the nice thing about CIRT6 uh, is that 
since it regulates the epigenetic code, and as I said before, the epigenetic code is more flexible than if you have a mutation, then we have some window of opportunity to try to regulate and, and improve these age-associated changes that are happening at the epigenetic level through interventions directly with CIR6 or other uh, chromatin and epigenetic uh, remodeling enzymes. So this is one of the things that can be done. Uh, the second thing is that there are many activators uh, that are being discovered for CIR6 and maybe some of them will have a use to prevent aging or premature aging or some of the age-related diseases. So if we could activate this enzyme because it has like a natural decline in its levels uh, as we age, maybe if we can make it uh, more active or allow it to be uh, expressed more, we could have some uh, potential to prevent age-related diseases. Okay, and what what is the difference between uh, the there are a couple of silt enzyme? I'm correct. Yeah, six. Yes. So, seven. Seven. So, what is the main difference between the six than the others that allows us to do it? Um. So we have seven sear twins. They have a similar in the similarity in the core domain, but. Uh, three of them, for example, are mitochondrial genes. They are inside the mitochondria. Uh, one of them is mainly in the cytoplasm but can shuttle into the nucleus. And each one of them is important and many of them have roles in the aging process. What is very important and interesting about CIR6 is that it's all the time in chromatin, all the time regulating gene expression and preventing DNA damage. And DNA damage is one of the main driving forces in, uh, in the aging process. It has been shown with mutations in enzymes that are important to repair DNA, that if you don't have them, you have a disease that resembles premature aging. Um, so we know that accumulation of DNA damage is one of the driving forces in aging and in all the age-related diseases. And CIR6 is very, very important. And we just discovered that CIR6 is not only important in DNA repair, but it's actually a sensor. It's one of these first responders that when there is damage, it recognizes the damage, and then it calls for help to all the uh, things that happen downstream. This is a cascade of events that allow us to repair the DNA. So if you don't have it, you cannot initiate properly the DNA damage response and repair the DNA. So what happens when you have DNA damage? You have one option, you repair and you go back to normal in case you didn't acquire mutations. You may not be able to repair it completely. So you can activate a process that is called senescence. In this senescence process at the cellular level, the cells are working like half time. They are not completely useful, but they are not dead but they are uh, very needy. They are alerting all the time the immune system that something is not okay with them. So they can also induce inflammation. And in the end of the day, they may become by themselves dangerous and have potential to induce aging and age-related diseases. If you ignore the damage and keep dividing 
then you can get cancer. And if you get a lot of damage and you die, you start losing tissue. The tissue shrinks, you lose neurons, you may lose skin. So the consequences of DNA damage are very, very important. So by the moment you cannot repair the damage, you have more chances of having cancer, any degenerative disease, more senescent cells, and CIR6 is on top of that. So it's, that's why it's very important. Um, and I guess uh, the other CIR twins are also involved, but you can see that if you delete CIR6, you still get the, uh, a very strong phenotype. The mouse and the monkey and even human embryos, they die. So the other ones cannot compensate. Each one has a different role and they cannot compensate for the lack of each other. Okay, so is it like connected to the duty of the microglia cells for uh, restoring, like I know the microglia are, their role is to immune the, the brain. Mm -hmm. Is the third six uh, activity is part of this, of what the microglia is doing? So CIR6 is expressed also in microglia and also in neurons, and it's expressed almost in every tissue and have the roles that are general, such as DNA repair. And also it has substrates that are specific for each tissue. And it has been shown by other groups also that it can uh, regulate the immune response, how many cytokines and how, many, how much of this inflammatory response is activated. So CIR6 can regulate that, not only in glia, but in many other cells. At the level of senescence, that is this half way between a cell dead and a cell that is still alive but half functional, you don't have to be an immune cell to start secreting this uh, signal that calls for the immune system. So they are secreting these signals for the immune system to come and to keep an eye on these cells to kill them if they become dangerous. But then also you can have inflammation in the tissue and inflammation is one of the characteristics of uh, aging that we see much more inflammation. Okay, um, so I think it's, it leads me to uh, my next question, that if there will be pot potential cures around this uh, technology, um, what kind of symptoms in Alzheimer or any other neurodegenerative disease, you think it will, uh, it, it will help to cure? Like, is it the inflammation or... Um, mitochondria uh, affects, well, what do you think it will uh, prevent? Um, I think this will depend on at which stage the patients will get to the clinic and how fast we can develop something. For example, if we are assuming that the first style in this domino effect is DNA damage, if we prevent DNA damage, then we can really prevent neurodegeneration. But if people have already too much damage and these tiles uh, started to fall, 
then we may have people that have toxic protein aggregates in their brains and they have inflammation and maybe many of the cells have already died. So what it may cure or may prevent, it may depend on at what stage we can find these patients and start trying to treat them. I, I think from the things that we see in the lab that if there is an early stage, maybe we can really delay and prevent neurodegeneration. Of course, this is a future plans and uh, we don't have anything yet uh, as early as that. But uh, if we can improve the DNA damage response and prevent the signaling that is leading to inflammation, to the formation of toxic aggregates, to disruption of the circadian clock, this day and night cycle that we know occurs as we age and in neurodegenerative diseases. And many of the symptoms are coming downstream in these tiles that are falling down. So in the best case scenario, we can prevent damage and this will delay all this prevent, but not completely get rid of it because DNA damage happens every day in every cell of our body uh, and it's mainly repaired. But of course, cellular machineries and cellular system are not perfect and still DNA damage accumulates over time. And this is why we see age-related diseases as we accumulate more damage but we can reduce the amount of damage by improving repair and by preventing this signaling. And then we can delay the disease or we can also prevent the formation of toxic aggregates and the formation of inflammation and senescent cells, uh, depending on how early we can intervene. So, uh, you think uh, like is this uh, enzyme can we find it outside of the brain in other cells and organs yes it is expressed almost in every tissue in our body the thing um, in different tissues is that we may have some uh, enzyme that can take over the role of cr 6 when it's gone and some tissues that don't have an alternative enzyme to do these roles uh, it it was shown also, for example, that if you delete cr 6 in colon or in skin, you get more cancer. So again, you have this uh, two, two, two sides of one coin. You have DNA damage. If you don't stop dividing after the damage and you accumulate mutations, you will have cancer. If you find out that you have damage and you kill the cell, you will have tissue degeneration. You will start losing tissue. So for example, in the brain or in the heart, if you don't have CIR6 and you accumulate damage, then you have the generation of this tissue because these cells mainly don't divide. In cells that divide a lot and they keep going even when they have DNA damage, then you have cancer. So in aging, we see these two kinds of diseases, right? We see more incidence of cancer and more incidence of degenerative diseases, including neurodegeneration. So of course, it will depend in which tissue is CIR6 uh, missing. And of course, other repair enzymes, CIR6 is not doing everything in the world. It's just one model that we use and one example of an enzyme that does two things, DNA repair and controls the epigenetic code. Okay. And when you imagine like uh, treatments, uh, you think uh, it will be by uh, 
mimicking the mechanism of the CERT6, so boosting it with CERT6, what, what kind of treatment do you imagine? Well, we are a very basic science lab. We do molecular biology and experiments in animal models and in cells. But what we think the best option will be is to reopen the sequence for CIR6 because we see it's silence and Alzheimer patients don't express as much CIR6 as the same age uh, people who didn't develop neurodegeneration. So the gene is there, but it's not being used. So if we could increase the natural levels, this would be very good. Secondly, if there are activators of CIR6, this could boost the activity even with less molecules. And last, if some of these things already started to happen, so no, some of this cascade, it may not be enough to put back CIR6 because you already throw the tile. So what we're trying to find are also molecules and pathways that are in these different levels of the tiles falling down. Some of them will help us with sleep problems, some of them will sleep, uh, help us with toxic aggregates, some of them will help us with uh, inflammation. Because once you throw the tile, many of the effects don't depend. You cannot, you put the first tile up, but the others are already down. So this depends on the stage of the patient. When he or she arrives to the clinic and at what stage you should intervene. like fixing the levels of CIR6 when you are already in the almost tile down might not help or cure the patient. Okay. Um, and um, do you see like uh, in terms of gender uh, differences between women and, uh, and male, female and, and male uh, brains? Uh, we see a, a small differences right now between males and females regarding changes in the brain. But we do see a, a very nice effect if you really delete CIR6 only in the brain, but this is present in the whole body. We do see that by not having CIR6 in the brain, it affects the female fertility and it makes the ovocytes look older. So you have some signaling from the brain that it's very important and it's composed of hormones uh, traveling in the body, that if the brain is aging, even though you have CIR6 in other parts, it may age other tissue. And we see this also, for example, in the liver, but this is not gender different, but for fertility, we see specifically in the females that we have tested, we haven't tested for males. And maybe this hormone signaling is also important in Alzheimer because uh, some theories and some results, but are controversial, uh, state that women get more Alzheimer disease than men. It's uh, not completely proven. There are articles saying that yes, an article saying that not, but we think it may have an hormonal component that may be regulated from the brain and also maybe through CIR6. And in terms of uh, concentration, uh, is it more or less in uh, some gender? Some gender? We, we haven't seen any difference. 
but uh, we haven't really looked at the big groups of female and male mice. We, for most of the experiments, we treat them as a one group. We separate to see if there are differences between the groups, in for example, in behavior or in the appearance of toxic marks. But if there are no differences, we put them together and work with them as a whole group. For now, we haven't seen many differences in the behavioral phenotype or in the appearance of neurodegenerative markers, but we haven't gone deep enough. Uh, so I don't have like a final answer on that. Uh, okay, and uh, uh, what about the, the differentiation of, uh, of uh, types of uh, dementias? Do you check it? Like if the level of uh, CERT-6 will, can be like, uh, can, can we divide the uh, types of dementia by the level of uh, CERT-6? So we, we try to do that. The problem is that the Alzheimer patients are the most common. So the data sets are very big and we have thousands of patients with CIR6. And then we have a statistical significant results, but because of course in humans, you have the variability of genetic background, diet, uh, behavior, smoking, food, sport, many, many things. So it's very different uh, and very difficult to get things that are statistically significant in human populations. In Alzheimer's, since we have so many samples, we do see a very nice difference. We see some kind of trend in Parkinson and ALS, but we have tens, uh, like 20, 40 samples, maximum 100. So our results are not significant there, but it's also because we have much less uh, samples. Regarding uh, our model with CIR6, the very nice thing that we saw is that if we take all the genes that are expressed in the brain of our knockout mice that don't have CIR6 only in the brain and compare with normal mice in an unbiased way, we check, okay, what is being expressed here and to what other categories it is similar. And the top categories that we get in a completely unbiased manner, like just check what is similar is Huntington, Alzheimer and Parkinson's disease. So it's really uh, similar to many neurodegenerative diseases and not only Alzheimer's, but for, uh, because of the number of samples that we can get from Alzheimer patients, we have been focusing only on Alzheimer right now. Okay, and um, um, so what kind of uh research is available today that, that uh, actually recorded for a long period of time, uh, the correlation between uh, CERT-6 and uh, aging. There are many people working with different centenarian data sets and, um, and some cohorts that managed to get gene expression for 20 or 30 years uh, in the brain is more difficult because you get only the end point, right? If they have more or less in the brain when they die, because no one is gonna give you a biopsy of their brain. So we have the end point. 
But for example, there were some uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms that are uh, small changes in the genome that can activate, can induce the expression of CIR6 were found in centenarians. So if you have this small genetic modification in what is called the promoter, the promoter of CIR6 is the one that helps uh, the gene uh, decide when it's being expressed and how much of it it's been expressed. The centenarians have uh, some SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms, that lead to a higher expression. What we see in, uh, in samples of uh, human brains that are not demented is that if the samples were collected, let's say someone died from age 40 to age 65, there is a decline. But if we take samples from people age 75, 80, 90, they have an increase. So if they manage to get to this age, they have more CIR6. Of course, we don't know if this is a cause or a consequence because we only have the end point, but we do see a negative correlation of the levels of CIR6 in the patients that die, not patients, just samples that die younger without neurodegenerative disease, just uh, other causes of death, and an increase if you manage to reach 75 and above. Well, that's actually that's uh, surprising. I, I, did, I did, uh, twenty years is uh, is quite a good uh, study, yeah. For yeah, some of the, uh, but okay, you just have to remember that again. Cause and consequences of these uh, studies are difficult to dissect because uh, you don't have an earlier time point if it was expressing more when he was young or not. Right, we only have the after the patient or the person died and donated uh, its brain to science, how much there six it has at its end point. So it's kind of a correlation and not causative. We could not say that. So, so like, um, um, like when you do a study on a on a mice, how do you deliver the CIRT6 and is it, can it work in humans, the delivery technology too? So right now, what we have been doing is deleting uh, the uh, CIRT6 specifically in the brain. And what we are starting to do, if we want to recover it, it's still uh, not good for humans because what we do is we inject a virus to the brain that expresses CIR6. So we put back the gene, but this, is a, this system of delivery is not good for humans. In many talks, I have been asked if we can eat CIR6, but CIR6 is a protein, and if we eat it, it will be dissolved in our brain. If we try to inject it, it's a problem because the brain has a blood-brain barrier that doesn't allow many molecules to come to the brain. And also once it's in the brain, it has to go inside the cells and not outside of the cells. So what we uh, try to do is to increase our own levels of CIR6. This is one of the things that we are trying to find out what kind of uh, molecules or behaviors or diet or exercise 
can induce expression of your own SIR6. You have it there, but you are not expressing enough, maybe. So maybe we can increase that. And uh, also there are many molecules that are being developed as activators. So if you have one copy or you have less as you age, we can maybe make it more active. Of experiments that we are trying to do to rescue our model from neurodegeneration. Well, is a our pharma companies uh, are involved in this uh, process? Right now, uh, not yet. Um, we are in contact with some uh, of the NIBN, that is the um, one of the BGU uh, accelerators for uh, any uh, drug or thing that may be helpful for. Uh, clinical trials. Right now, we are still working on the basics. Be able to develop something and not have secondary effect and have problems. You have to understand very well what is doing and what else may be affected. So we are still working uh, on understanding all the effects of the different uh, roles of Series 6 what may improve because sometimes we see with some experiments that um, like this sinking boat that if you put your finger in one hole then water starts coming from some other hole that you didn't notice so you have to understand a little bit better what is happening because if not some of the things that we may give may have an alternative effect that is worse so we have seen this in some of the experiments. I, I won't give you all the details, but if we found out that some molecule uh, was doing a harmful effect and we inhibited that molecule, we start getting for a short period a benefit, but then everything is getting wrong. And then when we, we look at the effects, we see that we block in here, but now we are activating all these toxic molecules on the side. So we are trying to go a little bit deeper with our understanding to prevent this kind of effects. Yes, this actually leads me again to the, to the next question because uh, I, I wanted to ask you like in, in a lower level, if we know that there is less uh, third six when we get old, then in it, what is the lower level mechanism in aging that causes there uh, to reduce uh, CERT6 from the beginning? So we are not sure about that. This is one of the projects running in the lab. We know that some stress responses that are very important to cope with the daily stress and with many of the uh, things that are happening as we age may induce this silencing of series six. But we don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly why it is silenced as we age. We are trying to figure out exactly what is the molecular pathway leading to the gene silencing to prevent its silencing or to reopen it again. So we will have a, enough series six and it won't uh, be decreased as we age. The second thing that also happens is that sometimes CIR6 levels, they don't uh, decrease. 
but the molecules that are the cofactors of CIR6, the molecules that it needs to be active, such as NAD+, are uh, depleted from the brain. We have seen in many samples and we and many, many other labs have shown that NAD is depleted in aging tissue and particularly in the brain. So some of the technologies that you could see in the different uh, talks during all these meetings is to give a, a nicotinamide riboside or a nicotinamide, I don't remember, NMR and NMA, that are some precursor of NAD plus. So when you have more precursor to prepare more NAD plus, then you can have a more active CIR6, but also other CIR twins and other enzymes that depend on this cofactor. So until now, we touched a lot of uh, neurodegenerative uh, diseases uh, about cancer. I want to uh, point like um, are all cancers are a result of uh, DNA damage and is it uh, going to be, uh, do you see a lot of potential in cancer treatments? So I work uh, less in cancer. During my postdoc, I did a little bit of cancer, but uh, yes, DN uh, cancer is driven by mutations that are accumulating and by impaired DNA repair. And then these cancer uh, cells acquire novel mutations that are also very important in metabolism. So they have uh, an advantage over other cells to grow and uh, more and be more um, dangerous. Um, the important thing about CIR6 is that it has been shown in cancer to be important as a tumor suppressor and as an oncogene. What does it mean? Tumor suppressor is something that is preventing the cancer to be formed. So if you don't have CIR6, more tumors are formed. And this is true for some types of cancer. But it was shown also for different types of cancer that it may act as an oncogene. And an oncogene has the opposite role. When it is expressed, it drives the cancer to be more dangerous. So right now we cannot do something that is very general to all the types of cancer because it may be sometimes an oncogene and sometimes a tumor suppressor, but we have to understand and study better what is making these differences? Because if not, you could also be doing something that is harmful. If you need extra from it to prevent cancer, but uh, you give it to someone that you need less of it to, to allow to kill the cancer, you will have the opposite effect and uh, it, it could be very dangerous. So you need to study each case of cancer and its particular details to be able to know if you need more CIR6 or you need less CIR6. Okay, Debbie. Well, it was a, a very, I wanna thank you again for joining me. Uh, it was very informative uh, episode, I think. I, I need to sit and listen again, but uh, we uh, you really drilled down into uh, the CIR6 uh, science. And I, I want to thank you again. And like maybe my last question will be, 
like what other projects in the, the Ben Gurion University um, are showing you, like are inspiring you uh, when it, we talk about aging science? Well, in Ben Gurion University, we have a, a, some labs that are doing aging, for example, Anat Ventsvi. She's working with C. elegans model uh, that is a worm. So it's very nice and very simple to use to study aging because also you can do genetic modifications. And she has shown that the, to keep the level of proteins organized and what is called proteostasis, uh, it's very important to prevent aging and when it's collapsing and all these things. So Anat is doing an excellent job in BGU regarding aging. And at the bioinformatic level, we have S.T. Jaeger lotten that she's also investigating many, many different data sets to understand from all this mess of data what is happening as we age. And also we have not only in BGU, but in Israel, many great scientists doing aging. We have, for example, Chaim Cohen in Barilan doing also studies about CIR6. His models are mainly overexpressing it. So also I recommend to talk with him. Michael Kluchstein is in the Hebrew University and he's working on various aspects of aging, also the fertility part, but also cancer. And he's doing also very interesting work. And there are so many names, I don't want to miss anyone, but I will give you a list further on if you want, but there are many, many great scientists working on aging. And for example, in DNA repair, you have Yossi Shiloh, that is one of the pioneers in Tel Aviv University. And it's really a, one of the main figures in the DNA damage field in the whole world. And of course, as I explained before, DNA repair and DNA damage are very important drivers of aging. And Eud Cohen is also working on the protein and proteostasis in aging. And um, I'll try to remember more, but there are many, many good and interesting people that you can talk with for your amazing podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again. You're welcome. Uh, okay, so we listen. And you, you had another talk in uh, recently in a conference you uh, i have uh, this last talk and i have uh, some coming talks and some uh, webinars for the layman so also this could be helpful if not everything that i said was clear mm -hmm. and of course our lab is not clinical completely our lab is more molecular biology and understanding the causes of what is making us age and why we develop diseases as we age, of course, with the intention of getting to prevent age-related diseases. But we really are basic science uh, lab. Yeah, okay, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. See you again. See you. <laughs> Bye.